Hello and welcome to an exciting edition of the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. Now, for a lot of people, grime is not uh, for everyone. For me, personally, it's not for me, but the but I'm really, really excited about this show because it's the biggest show of the year so far. And it's not just the fact that you've got a really good down-to-earth artist like Stormzy uh, performing, it's the fact that it's giant, it's incredibly huge, this show. It's 11 trucks to start with, 11 trucks, and I lost count of uh, how many tour buses there were. In fact, I couldn't give you an exact number of those because uh, trucks have been coming in and out all day so far. And this is the uh, show day, and the build is going very, very well. It's a massive, massive build, and I'll tell you exactly how massive this build is. We are currently using two cherry pickers and four forklift trucks. That's how big it is. I was in the building yesterday to oversee the rigging aspect, and it took four hours for them to get all the uh, motor winches in the air and all the all the main load points ready to go ready for first thing this morning to start tipping the trucks and on that first build day they tipped two trucks which had all the rigging sections in there now first thing they did this morning was tip the uh, stage trucks and there's a few uh, trucks that were just dedicated to bits of the stage because he bought his own stage I think it was three I think three of the trucks were just dedicated to his stage so they tipped the uh, three trucks for the stage and started building aspects of the stage at different corners of the arena because once that's all ready to go they'll uh, move each section into place in the staging area and bolt it all together but currently we have a load of the trust a load of the lighting trusses down at working height because they're still building them up currently you have in the air you've got stage left that's fully yet rigged up and up in the air they just adjusted something with the uh, cherry picker then you've got a feeder truss uh, going towards the line arrays which are at two are spanned too wide and they are very very deep we're talking too wide and 10 speakers deep then you've got the uh, smaller one pointing 45 degrees outwards for the surround sound effect currently the subs are nowhere near ready to be put in because they got to put the stage in position and I can see in against one wall of the arena floor we have 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24 subs which are double stacked as well so that is uh, 48 subs in total 48 subs in total wow that is huge that's going to be a nice huge sound there are some led pixel wall sections which are being rigged as we speak they're not making one giant screen they're making smaller sections and it's that nice translucent stuff so um, you can shine light through it and it also have its image as well so very nice expensive led screen sections then Behind those, you've got a big wall of LED BI units, which, as you know, uh, 
from many times that they've been in this arena. Each giant pixel of the light is uniquely mappable so you can have a lot of different rotating images as well as the uh, light itself rotating so you can have multiple directions at the same time and it will give off some multiple different effects at the same time and it looks really really impressive I'm looking forward to all of this being switched on properly currently they've just got each bank switched on in a different color so it's more noticeable oh what something's going on with the stage left truss they're having to bring it back in wow <laughs> wow so there might be a little power failure which they're just going to bring it down rather than do it in the picker and just quickly correct what needs to be corrected either hanging in a spare or even changing a fuse in the light but it's better to just get it down rather than to just move around with the picker where the picker could be better used getting the next section up in the air working height wise you've still got another four trusses down at working height a front of house truss one that i would assume is uh, lx1 and lx2 which are all still working height and so far that is all i can tell you i can see a load more pre-rigged trusses ready to get bolted together which i believe are going to come forward like stage right which is in position ready to come up and that thundering noise you can hear at the moment isn't any of the speakers it is they're moving another section of stage into position ready to bolt together so they are getting there the crew are doing really really well it is going slightly slow on day two but this is the first time this show has been built together they've had all the sections built but this is the first time it's all come together in one go in theory Cardiff shouldn't have been the first date of the tour but because of the pandemic and the tour being postponed and postponed and postponed again it turns out that Cardiff has to be the first location because of the way how the rest of the venues are booked for the rest of the tour but this is the mo one of the most anticipated shows so far of the year and as I said it is the biggest one so far the next big one is going to be at the War of the Worlds Jeff Wayne musical which is going to be on a similar scale but not as large if I remember correctly War of the Worlds is only uh, nine trucks where Stormzy as I said is 11 trucks and that's not including the buses right we'll be back after this So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry, as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. 
All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle. And the links for all of these books are in the description below. And we're back. Michael Ebenezer Kawaju Amari Aru Jr. Born the 26th of July 1993, best known professionally as Stormzy and is a British rapper. In 2014 he gained attention in the UK underground music scene through his Wicked Skangman series of freestyles over classic grime beats. Stormzy's song Shut Up, which was initially released as a freestyle on YouTube, became popular and peaked at number 8 on the UK singles chart after he launched a campaign to reach Christmas number 1. Stormzy won Best Grime Act in the 2014 and 2015 Mobile Awards and was named as an artist to look out for on the BBC Sound of 2015 list. His debut album Gang Signs and Prayer in 2017 was the first grime album to reach number one in the UK albums chart and won British Album of the Year at the 2018 Brit Awards. In 2019, Stormzy achieved his first UK number one single with Vossy Bop and his headline appearance at the 2019 Glastonbury Festival was widely praised. He wore a Union Jack stab vest designed by Banksy in light of the rise of knife crime in London. His second album, Heavy is the Head, was released on the 13th of December in 2019. Stormzy comes from Croydon in London. His mother is Garnon and he is a cousin of rapper Nader Rose. He grew up in South Norwood, London with his mother, with his mother brother and two sisters. Stormzy did not come from a particular musical household, though he liked music. He attended Stanley Tech South Norwood. He began rapping at the age of 11 and would clash with, and would clash with older rappers at his local youth club. Stormzy has said about his school years, I was a very naughty child on the verge of getting expelled, but I wasn't a bad child. Everything I did was for my own entertainment, but when I went to an exam I did really well. He said he got 6 A stars, 3 A's and 5 B's on his GCSEs but then only achieved a humbling A, B, C, D, E on his A-levels for someone who would cuss in class and was on the verge of being expelled. It was, it was A-levels that showed me that in life you need, to work, you need a work ethic. He studied for an apprenticeship in Leamington Spa, Warwickshire and worked in quality assurance for two years at an oil refinery in Southampton, Hampshire. It's a good uh, career to start with, but wow. But wow, his music career took off and that took precedence and that I could heavily, heavily respect. Stormzy describes himself as a child of grime, influenced by the likes of Lethal Bizzle, Brother, Double D.E. and Flirted D. But also cites R&B singers such as Frank Ocean and Lauren Hill as influences on his sound. In May 2016, Stormzy endorsed Labour Party leader Jeremy Corbyn in an interview with the newspaper The Guardian. He spoke of his admiration for, Cor for Corbyn's activism. On the 24th of June 2017, Sun Z performed a chant of Oh Jeremy Corbyn to the tune of the White Stripes Seven Nation Army on the other stage at the Glastonbury Festival. He also performed a rap he had written for the victims of the Grenfell Tower fire, telling the festival goers to demand that the authorities tell the truth and for the government to be held accountable. In September of that year, after being presented by, after being presented with the Solo Artist of the Year Award by Corbyn at the GQ Men of the Year Awards, Stormzy called Prime Minister Theresa May a pagan, Jamaican pathos, 
word used, uh, used to describe an untrustworthy person. On the 21st of February 2018, Stormzy performed a freestyle at the, at the Brit Awards, calling out May for her inaction in the aftermath of the Grenfell Tower the previous year. The following day, 10 Downing Street issued a statement defending the Prime Minister. <laughs> Got her scared after so. In November 2019, along with other musicians, Stormzy endorsed Corbyn in the 2019 UK general election with a call to end austerity. He also said people-led change can be, a poss could be possible under Jeremy Corbyn's Labour government. He described the Labour leader as the first man in a position of power who is committed to giving the power back to the people and branded Boris Johnson a sinister man. In the aftermath of the George Floyd protest, Stormzy issued a statement via his label that he plans to donate one million a year for 10 years to charities, organisations and movements that are committed to fight racial inequality, justice reform and black empowerment in the United Kingdom. And I know that he's been doing a lot of projects within inner cities, I know that for a fact. Um, in an interview with the BBC, Stormzy said black people have been playing on, the, on an uneven field for far too long and his pledge is a continuation in the fights to finally try and even it. Stormzy is a Christian. On the BBC's Christmas Day lineup in 2019, he read a passage from the Gospel of Luke. Stormzy was previously involved in a long-term relationship with presenter Mayo Jamer. In November 2017, it was revealed that Stormzy had posted a series of messages on Twitter in 2011 that were deemed to be homophobic. These included a, t a tweet where he referred to a gay character in the soap opera EastEnders as a f***ing fag. He also asked another user who was discussing using hair straighteners if they were a fag and urged his followers to put on BBC One, this little black boy is a fucking fag. He later posted a series of tweets stating, I said some foul and offensive things whilst tweeting years ago at a time when I was younger and uh, proudly ignorant. Very hurtful and discriminative views that were unlearned as I've grown up and became a man. The comments I made were unacceptable and disgusting. Full stop. Comments that I regret and to everyone I've offended, I am sorry. These are attitudes I've left in the past. I take responsibility for all my mistakes and hope you can understand that my younger self doesn't reflect who I am today. Again, I am sorry to everyone I've offended to the LGBTQ community and my supporters and friends, my deepest apologies. He also attracted controversy on the 7th of October in 2020 when grime artist Chip released a video of Stormzy and several others at Chip's house in June of that year. The video was posted on Twitter and Instagram, captioned June when you got sent the video of Stormzy and friends trying to run up on your house. The clip event resulted in the police being called. Chip deleted the video within a few hours, but Stormzy was criticised for causing a heated argument with Chip's family and refusing to leave the building. The altercation was allegedly in response to perceived diss by Chip on the track Ways. Now you can have your opinions on that. It may be a load of hype, it may be true hatred, uh, and at the end of the day, that's just how it goes in the industry. It doesn't matter what line of music you're in. If you beef someone, you're going to beef someone. If you don't like someone, you're, going to, you're not going to like them. And uh, everyone's done a diss track once in a while, and that's just how it happens. Even Axl Rose did a diss track uh, many years ago with uh, Guns N' Roses called Get In The Ring. So it's not new, and uh, people just need to chill out a little bit. Anyways, Stormzy has funded the Stormzy Scholarship for Black UK students at the University of Cambridge, which covers tuition costs for two students and maintenance grants for up to four years. 
he had previously approached the University of Oxford who didn't want to get involved according to him. In July 2018 it was announced that Penguin Random House division of William Hayman's was to launch a new imprint in partnership with Stormzy called Hashtag Murky Books. The imprint launched with Stormzy's first book Rise Up in autumn 2018 followed by Taking Up Space, The Black Girl's Manifesto for Change by Chelsea Kawake and Or Agombio in summer 2019. That reminds me, a novel in verse by Derek Awalzi was released in November 2019. In October 2021, Murky Books released Keisha Desquet, a viral serialised novel from the mid-2000s written by a black London teenager in text-speak slang. The print publication includes both the original and rewrites as stand in standard English. To be honest though, I don't think there should have been a uh, translation of text-speak into uh, standard English. I mean, that's for me, that's just very middle class. Because just like books like uh, A Clockwork Orange, you have to learn the language as you uh, read the book and by the end of the book you would have learnt the language so then when you come to read the book again it makes a lot more sense from the beginning or you can just go back to a few chapters that you didn't quite understand and you can read it again yeah but then again that's just how things go <laughs> now we've heard a bit of Stormzy's past I'll give you an update on how the fit up of the show's going we'll be back after this 30 years since is a sci-fi story podcast which is full of dramatical moments and a bit of gratuitous violence. The first series was originally done in first person so it, the character is just telling a monologue and then the second series and onwards became more third person so it was more of an in-depth story and uh, you have all the characters actually interacting with each other. Great set of sci-fi stories. So, 30 years after an alien invasion, which uh, the humans lost, and the first story arc is now over, though we've got plenty more story arcs left to tell from the land of 30 years since. So why not check it out? The links are in the description below. And we're back. So while I was talking about the screen a little bit earlier on, this is how good these screens are and how very translucent they are. They've now powered up the whole screen and they're not in uh, little strips. They are actually big square sections and that's how, that's how good these screens are. You can completely see through them like glass. They are essentially just glass and once they're switched on, they can be anything they want. So he's got two of these giant screens, stage, one stage left, one stage right, and uh, it's going to look really, really impressive. They've uh, re-winched up the uh, stage left truss, and stage right is now fully in the air. There's lots of mole phase lights either side of the stage to help light the audience and uh, just get them going. That's the whole point of the mole phases. And they're all traditional mole phases as well. They're not LED. So they're going to have a nice punch to them when they're full pelt. And yeah, they're just flashing through them now. And they're looking pretty nice. I love a good tasty uh, tungsten light. Tungsten glow to the old uh, mole phase lights. Love it. Just reminds you that you're in a live venue. In the middle of the staging area, 
let's not forget the stage is not it's not been bolted together yet so there's a big circular piece of truss which has got some interesting gold uh, shapes on top of it and this circular and this circular truss has got a ring of lights in the middle of it and this ring of truss has got a ring of lights so uh, lining the circumference of this circular bit of truss I think that'll look nice and impressive actually and you've got a feeder truss there going to it so when I say feeder truss there's no there's not going to be any lights on the feeder the uh, feeder is just black so it just so it just obscures its vision as though it's not there and there's no lights hooked onto the feeder truss it's just carrying the cables to power up the circular bit of truss center stage what else is going on now the stage we're getting there the front section still uh, in the same position as it was so the side sections are uh, near enough been, uh, put together and there's one long section of the stage which uh, has got a flat bit and a nice little uh, 30 degree incline to it I think it's 30 degree I haven't obviously got my protractor but it looks about 30 degrees to me and that's just how he's going to rake it up so he can actually get a bit uh, different aspects of levels within the show which is good, a nice level, difference uh, of levels for different bits of his show. Gonna look, it's, it will look amazing. It will definitely look amazing. We'll be back after this. If you're a singer, a musician, a cabaret artist, dancer, actor, and you want to promote your show or promote yourself, and you want to have a conversation, you could do this by coming on our show. The email address to contact me is masterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and come on our show. And we're back. Who is Stormzy's sister? And that is Rachel Anson. Finding information on Rachel Anson has been very difficult. I've got a feeling that she just doesn't want the world to know her business, which uh, I can respect that. There's nothing I could find about her on uh, the usual sources such as Wikipedia and there's some sketchy information on uh, Google. So I've just got a uh, little bit of info that I've managed to cobble together from an article that I found and uh, whatever I can see on her social media pages. So let's have a look. Stormzy actually has two sisters, but one who has been in the spotlight in the past is Rachel Anson, and she is a DJ. She did an interview with with WRD Mag back in December in 2019 when discussing her time at Foundation FM. In the scene, Rachel is also known as the Rave Destroyer and has been impressing with her craft for a couple of years now. She has already supported the likes of Kofi and we suspect 2020 will be her biggest year yet. During the interview, she added some light on her beginnings as a DJ too. I probably couldn't tell you the main song for the entry point, but it would be dancehall songs that I would play through the aux cable like Beanie Man, Who Am I? UK Funky was also very important in terms of my entry into DJing. You can follow Rachel Anson on Instagram, at Rachel Anson, and from the time of this article she has 5,780 followers. You can also find a selection of her work on Mixcloud, which is also linked in her Insta bio. There, is, there are a bunch of great snaps on the post there for you to have a look at. 
So let's actually take a look at what's going on her uh, Instagram page. So currently, she's only done 52 posts on Instagram and has 6,935 followers and is following 1,424 people. And as it said, it's got links to her uh, Apple and uh, stuff like that. She's got some uh, video shorts on there as well. Yeah, so your usual stuff you'd find on uh, social media there. So I found a few of her tracks. For obvious copyright reasons, I can't play them. But I'm sure that once uh, the show is up and running, I'll be able to give you my take on Rachel, on Rachel Anson. But other than that, there is not much I can find background-wise. And is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? No, it, it's a good thing because she decides to keep her personal life to herself, which I can totally respect because everyone deserves to have a private life. Anyways, let's get back to the build and we'll be back after this. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day Puritans in the balls because they've forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back. So, the circular bit of truss in the middle of the staging area with its feeders are now being winched up as we speak. They've got the tape measures down on every aspect of it. To, and when I say every aspect, it's basically every uh, winch point to make sure that they're all at the correct heights because there are one, two, three, there are eight different winches on this to make it all nice and level. And once that's in position, the stage will be able to roll in and currently they've got stage lefts line arrays down at the moment because when they uh, fired through every uh, speaker they found a slight issue but that'll be up momentarily but this is looking very impressive as it's all slotting together now and in front of that circular bit of truss you've also got a uh, tab track truss which I don't think they're going to put tabs onto it. I think it's going to be a pyro bar, to be honest. So, why is it a tab track truss? Well, that's because it's a small bit of truss where you'd normally put some drape on, which are on an automation system or a pulley, which on this kind of show there will be no pulley. It would be it'll be automation or nothing, and uh, the automation would just pull the tabs across. But I don't believe that they are going to be uh, tabs because they because it's more likely going to be pyro. And the size of this truss, it's a small, it's a small truss, so it doesn't take much weight. It just isn't designed for a lot of weight, so it's either going to be tabs or it's going to be pyro. And 
I believe, with the regular intervals of whatever these fixtures are, which are out of which are really small on that bar, they're going to be pyro. Got a funny feeling it's going to be a cascade or some flames going downwards, but we shall find out soon enough. It looks like the boy. It looks like the stage is near enough in position and what they're doing right now is they've got the front section of stage ready to be pushed in they've got the uh, side bits of stage ready to go with it and there's one more bit of stage to go in front which uh, is not ready to go up yet but it will be soon enough and currently they are building some mojo barrier ready to go in place yeah, again, I'm just looking forward to this. This is going to be interesting. The staging area is huge. It is absolutely, it's absolutely huge. The mixer has been uh, put in and established with Stormzy's own, uh, with Stormzy's own mojo, which is all chrome stuff, which is all well and good. Personally, I would go with black mojo, but you get what you pay for at the end of the day, and. He requires a lot of mojo and to get a lot of mojo of one colour is difficult so at this time of year he's probably just got what they've got available for it. I don't think there's the aesthetic value to it, it's just what do you have a lot of at this particular time for this particular tour and quite clearly they had a lot of chrome mojo which at the end of the day it's there for safety, it's not for anything else, it's not there for aesthetics, it's there purely for safety. So the first section of stage has just been rolled into position. Uh, well, it's not quite there yet. They're just doing it as we speak. And it's fitting in perfectly between the ladder trusses either sides of the stage and the back and the screen backdrop, which you can't see is a screen. It's that lovely, lovely translucent LED screen. The very expensive stuff to use, but still it's brilliant and uh, the second section of stage has just been moved into position although they've stopped it at, at the moment they're just quite literally making sure that that first bit of stage is locked into position and is on all the marks that they've uh, paint penned onto the floor sometimes it's paint pen sometimes it's chalk depending on what show it is but it doesn't matter because either it's, even if it's chalk or paint pen it doesn't matter because it's only going to come up with the floor washer. Anyways, I digress. So it looks like they've got some more trusses which have been wheeled out. And uh, I don't think these are going in the air. These are going to go in the gaps between the two sections of stage. It appears at the moment. I may be wrong and I'll update you on that situation. But the next section of stage is being wheeled into place as we speak. And it looks like these uh, lighting trusses are actually just gonna fit in these gaps which will look great it's just that with a bit of luck no one falls down these holes but I'm sure this has all been rehearsed in a in a warehouse where they've just drawn on the floor where the stage areas are or perhaps they've even had the stage bolted together minus the lights so Stormzy knows where he's walking there would have been some kind of rehearsal before this actually got loaded onto the trucks. 
So the section, the forward section of the stage is now in position. It just needs to be pushed towards the next, uh, towards the uh, back end of the stage. And the bar is also being flown down as we speak. And I think that's going to have some extra bits of pyro on, or it may be a starting position. Who knows? Not I. I've not seen the plan. I'm just commenting on how it's going in as we speak. So as uh, I'm waiting for them to finish wheeling in the next section of stage, these uh, lighting trusses that I believe are going to go in the gap in between, um, they've got lots of AD strobes on there and a couple of and uh, some LED uh, moving head units. So and they're all staggered, so it is quite literally AD strobe, moving head, LED strobe, moving head, LED strobe, moving head and I believe they may actually be too wide so then it'll alternate between from one row to the next maybe although I may be wrong I think it's just the one row just waiting for them to finish wheeling stuff into place which from this point of view it's getting there it's getting there now that forward section of stage has just been wheeled into position and they're locking the uh, bridge into uh, place which joins the uh, forward and aft section of the stage making sure that the uh, wells of light which is what I'm going to call uh, the gaps where the uh, trusses are the wells of light making sure that they're in the right position and there's enough gap there and and they're starting to handrail the section so there's no chance of anyone falling off in the dark and if, when I say falling off falling off through the back and the front of the stage so it'll be interesting to see when it's fully uh, complete because you've still got two side sections of stage ready to be uh, wheeled into position and the pyro sections of stage now pyro sections of stage yes there are little sections of stage which are going to go in front of the main forward section and I believe them to be flame traps, but they may be uh, something slightly different on that set on those uh, little pyro sections of stage. But I've seen similar things before where they've got little bits of stage which are designed to uh, carry fire and other pyros. And I've been told that the uh, pyro test will be at half three, and there's also a mini bit of thrust stage coming out from the forward section so what what do I mean by thrust well it's a bit of stage that comes out from the rest of the stage so it's thrusting outwards and these sections of pyro uh, stage are going to go either side of this little thrust and that will be the front of the stage so it's going to come out towards what I believe the uh, flame sections it will be in a safe zone which is on the thrust and if you're uh, and there's no chance of him walking onto the uh, flame sections of stage. It's not going to happen because they're that thin and uh, at a completely different height to the stage. So it's a nice, safe way of doing things. And in front of those smaller bits at the front of the stage, there are the subs, the base bins, ready to go into position and the mojo ready to be uh, pushed into position in front of them. It's going to be an interesting pit to say the least. It's going to be a very interesting pit and they're going to have to keep uh, a lot of security there so if people start to feel the crush they get pulled to safety in the pit and sent around to the sides 
yeah, it's going to look very good. The pyro bar is just being winched up as we speak to its correct height. And the bridge section and the flying bridge section at the top of the stage is just being tested as we speak as well. So what they've got is a member of the crew on this bit of truss walkway where uh, Stormzy I believe will be on there at some point and they're checking at the different heights and the different angles of levels that it can go to for it for safety because you don't want to you don't want to do it without a test especially since it's gone in the air everything that's aerial based has to be tested rigor rigorously for safety and that is exactly what they're doing you've got their head rigor standing on the uh, inclining platform which is being done by Kinesis Motors and as they're doing that they're just switched on the screens for now and they're just running a uh, test to, show, to see if every section of this translucent LED screen is working and it's going from stage left to stage right and, and then back again showing a colour going across bit by bit which is a good way to test it because then you can tell if there's any dead pixels on there and they can quickly remove the section of the screen yeah looking very swish that very very swish indeed we'll be back after this a tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate in this podcast, there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong, offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. Now they're starting to uh, get ready for sound check and they're doing a quick final test on all the technology within the uh, rig. So what do we have? We have that LED screen at the back, the translucent one. And it turns out that the ray section of the upper section of the stage is actually LED screen as well. So very expensive. You know, having an LED screen that is actually a stable floor as well and I believe it's also on a uh, motor as well so it can adjust its position as well and wow from the video that they're playing at the moment to test it it is looking pretty pretty intense I love it such a high resolution on the back screen as well as that raised floor section of screen as well it's very very impressive stage left and stage right you have projection screens which are being rear projected and they will toggle between the images that are, that are on the back screen and the uh, video cameras at the front of the stage you can hear at the moment that they're uh, starting to uh, sound check the band and the band is present and behind the screen so at certain points throughout the show you'll see the band behind the screen but when you've got a highly detailed image you won't see the band but damn is very very impressive it's massive we just had the pyro test and there's flames there's sparkles there's cascade waterfalls 
there's big flash bangs and there's uh, gonna be uh, confetti cannons I think they're confetti cannons uh, which are gonna probably be uh, saved till absolute last so at some point during the show when I will go into the pit I need to make sure I know at what position at what time it is before the pyros go off so I can take a noise reading from the stage left and stage right line arrays so as you can tell right now you can hear where the room that I'm in the control room uh, <laughs> there's so much vibration because the amount of bass that's going through it all the uh, bass bins were placed underneath the stage and in front of the uh, bass bins are the uh, and in front of the bass bins are the uh, fire traps where all the flame units are going to be which I have to say standing halfway back from the uh, standing halfway onto the arena floor from the stage oh it was very hot indeed so if you're right by the mojo barrel at the front wow it's going to be nice and toasty you could probably uh, toast some marshmallows on it <laughs> and in front of those uh, flame in front of the pyro traps you've also got the same kind of lighting uh, trusses that are on the floor that are in the gap between two sections of stage so once it's all fired up and operating in tandem with that uh, from front to back and along with the other units uh, that are on the ladder trusses on the circular trusses and on the uh, and on the side trusses it's going to look absolutely amazing we'll be back after this warning this podcast contains strong and offensive language and themes not appropriate for younger listeners or the easily offended welcome to london the london of the 50s that's the 2050s where crime is rife because the police were defunded so sit back and enjoy the ride of london 2055 coming soon to master x media and we're back and it's confession time it's now the next day it's the morning after the stormsy event and what a good show that was but first of all let's get started with uh, rachel anson you might hear my dog in the background all right agamemnon wait i'll take you out in a bit so rachel anson was set down stage center and was joined on stage by an mc that was that was helping to g up the crowd she started warming up the audience with classics from the early 2000s with songs from DMX, Fatboy Scoop, Ja Rule and Little Kim, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kanye West and many, many others. All the songs played by uh, Rachel Anson in this section were uh, little snippets. I mean, this is the first like 15 minutes where she was just, uh, just, where she was just playing little snippets and you had the MC who unfortunately i couldn't find out who that mc was but he was uh, a big guy great stage presence i mean awesome stage presence i just wish i knew who it was um obviously if you were a fan of stormzy or even rachel anson you probably would know who this mc is but unfortunately for me not being a fan and first time hearing a stormzy song let alone uh, seeing his show live I just didn't have a have a clue. I'm quite embarrassed to say that actually. Anyways, so the MC was geeing up the crowd, getting the crowd real lively, real pumping and whatnot. And it's not often that you actually get a warm up artist that is really going for it. 
to get to g up the crowd before the main act goes on unfortunately like the other day where uh, the support just fell on deaf ears where today no they were lapping it up they were enjoying it the uh, main part of these uh, songs that they're playing the snippets of the mc was uh, going over lyrics the audience were going over lyrics they were swaying they were jumping they were bouncing and at some point they were even dancing as well but that was later on when the main dj set started up lighting wise it was just your bog standard dark blue wash with a little bit of side lighting to light up the mc and rachel anson and they didn't need any more than that they wanted to keep everything an absolute surprise for stormzy because because of the type of lights and equipment that they, that he had if they gave any other lights other than a standard static wash it just wouldn't have worked it would have given away the game it would have given away the fact that he's got all these expensive pieces of equipment which give off some amazing effects they didn't want to ruin the surprise especially especially being the first day of the tour and they didn't want to ruin it for people later on which i can totally appreciate i really appreciate that even with the bare minimum tech behind her, Rachel Anson managed to have the entire crowd eating at the palm of her hands, along with that MC as well, yeah. That they the, the crowd loved it. Between the MC and Rachel, they both had some serious stage presence between them. I mean I mean they they were right on it. They were seriously, seriously on it. And uh, they had every right to be on that stage. Whenever I say that people may be thinking well yeah of course they have the right to be on that stage sometimes uh, people don't have the right to be on a, on a stage but those two oh my god they were stars in their own right they were they were definitely stars in their own right and definitely had the right to be on Stormzy's stage one thing that has gone through my mind in regards to the MC is it a different MC every night of the tour or is it the same guy and if it's the same guy if anyone can leave a comment in the uh, comment section on who the MC was then please do because I'd like to uh, have another look at, at this MC's work. be great. It would be great to know. So overall how did the audience react? They were singing throughout, they were dancing and bouncing. There was definitely a mutual understanding between the audience at Rachel Hanson and the MC. They were all on it. They all enjoyed it. And they just filled the room of energy. Rachel Anson and her MC filled the room completely with energy. They were just oozing the stage presence. And the audience loved it. They loved it. And uh, in my opinion, they did a 110% job. They did their job properly, professionally. And they, and once again, that crowd just loved every minute of that set. That is the best hour-long warm-ups I've heard all year, I have to say. It really was. If you're a singer, a musician, a cabaret artist, dancer, actor, and you want to promote your show or promote yourself, and you want to have a conversation, you could do this by coming on our show. The email address to contact me is musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and come on our show and we're back so Stormzy's set started with everything strobing I mean every light 
having its own little part of the white strobe sequence just flashing hardcore from left to right from right to left from up from up to down and then in in multiple different sequences the bass was pumping that hard it was rattling the control room as i was uh, as i was watching this intro then the intro video come on and bam stormzy appeared on that bridge behind the screen up in the air just lit with one light just so it could be seen then the song started up and he was uh, going heavy full of attitude about attitude in a good way just doing that song as he was going through it was great it was a great intro i have to say it was it was vibrant it was full of energy every part of that intro was designed to be full pout full of energy and it was a brilliant brilliant way to start the show nice bit of pyro as well and i have to say this show was pyrotechnic heavy you had explosions you had flame effects you had uh, flashbangs and even confetti cannons at the end as well yeah <laughs> it was a visual experience I have to say, the entire show, everything was designed to be a massive visual experience. And one, what I noticed as well, throughout the show, the spotlights that they had, the follow spots, which were robo spots, I, I may add, they did something that I've not seen in like forever, and that is the spotlights sometimes mirrored the uh, colours that they're using on the uh, back on the uh, lights watching the stage so uh, so the song after his intro you had greens and reds and I, I say green it's more uh, a turquoise blue then more it was more turquoise blue than green so like the 3d glasses and one spot was uh, the back the forward spot was red the back spot was uh, the 3d glasses blue green and it mirrored all the lights around. It was it was great. It was a good way to do it. And he did this a couple of times, you know, having a red spotlight and whatnot. Now, he obviously had his white spotlight, but the way how they've designed that, there's a clever trick actually. That wouldn't work on a lighter skinned person, especially when you're using the red colours in the follow spot, or uh, even uh, ambers, or the uh, turquoise greens, because it's the way how the face reflects the light and because because of Stormzy's uh, skin tone um, it just reflected the light a lot better and it gave it a lot more depth and dimension whereas if you did that with a lighter skinned person it would just corpsify the person on stage so the person who designed the lights and that knew this and he knew how to uh, emphasize Stormzy in such a way that it had, he had an epic look within his face. You could see all his facial features, all uh, in different shadows and whatnot. Basically, it emphasised uh, the earlier music that he did, which was all grime and dark and, and real in your face. And it worked. It worked really, really well. And uh, the uh, visuals behind the screen as well. So it was all designed to have a purpose, to have maximum, maximum impact. And uh, I do like it when people think about every aspect of this. And with all these intricacies, each was an extension of the of, of the previous. So 
the lights extended into the AV, the follow spot extended into the lights and into the AV, the, uh, the music extended into the lights, the AV, follow spots, etc. It all fed into each other and it all complemented each other. That's the whole point of that design aspect and that production team were amazing. They designed that show perfectly and Stormzy should be proud of that team that he's got behind him. He really should. So sound-wise, the bass was not overpowering. So he had all these subs, he had a real powerful PA system and yet it was not overpowering. There was no distortions from it being full of bass. You could hear yourself think over the songs as well where sometimes when you got a massive PA, you just can't. You're just completely immersed into uh, into some solid walls of noise where this show wasn't. Yet again, we had a return to the uh, 22 carat clarity within the uh, sound mix, which I, I always look forward to, especially when you've got a good sound engineer. So along with the lighting rig and the lighting designer, they had some serious wedge to that sound engineer to design the sound in such a way that it just didn't kill any other aspects of the show. Everything was designed to work incredibly well together and for the amount of sound system that he had, it was quite quiet for uh, that kind of show. The A rating didn't go, didn't jump more than 105 decibels and the C rating only uh, bounced onto 120 decibels once maybe twice throughout the entire show even at the start which was really good that sound engineer knew exactly what he was doing and how to emphasize things that needed to be emphasized as well as uh, having a great mix between bands that were hidden behind the screen but were visible sometimes when they allowed them to be visible because it's a transparent wall and mixing that on top of the click track because there was a bit of click track within there but so when you take a look at James Arthur's support, who was uh, Sonia Stein, where she had a click track mixed into live instruments and it didn't sound that great, you had Stormzy's uh, band on top of his click track and it sounded correct. So if you listen to that uh, James Arthur uh, podcast or even the, uh, the uh, little repeat clip of uh, Sonia Stein, where uh, I said that if the click track is completely controllable such as every instrument within the click track had its own channel on the sound desk then you'll be able to do what you want needed to do that's exactly the way how the click track would have been set up for Stormzy set so every part of that click had its own un unique individual fader so he say so the sound engineer could ride it a little bit harder depending on how the crowd is or how the venue sounds so he could make adjustments on the fly as it as it went which if there was a full band behind the screen then you'd be able to do that anyways but no it was brilliant it was such an amazing bit of sound on that show so we've gone over all the aspects the av aspects the lighting aspects the sound aspects and the pyro jesus <laughs> pyro in in a third of all of all the songs and it wasn't cheap pyro it wasn't oh a quick blast here no it was big 
every bit of pyro it was big from the flame effects where it had a cascade left to right right to left or everything in one go at the same time to the flashbangs where you had bright where it just made massive bright lights and a bit of a bang and then you had the uh, cascade waterfalls which were not set to drop down but to fire upwards yeah it looked amazing and impressive although i will feel a bit bad for the lighting technicians at the higher warehouse uh, when the show comes back in because they're gonna have a few uh, burnt lenses <laughs> from where the uh, from where the waterfall cascades were just uh, spitting bits over lights over on top of the uh, grid or below at the front of the stage but you know spare lenses bit of clean up you get some good use out of them uh, and that's just the way it is that's just the way it is right so how was Stormzy well what can I say the crowd loved him he was um, they were singing and bouncing along whilst rapping along with him uh, on the earlier stuff and on the uh, mainstream uh, songs people were swaying singing along dancing and with Stormzy himself he was every bit the showman He'd been dormant for two years, like everyone else in this pandemic. And he even said he'd been for the last couple of years whilst waiting to do the show, which was cancelled because it, this show should have happened before the pandemic. So he had two whole years. And what did he do in the two whole years? Well, I'll tell you what he did in the two whole years. He spent time with his family and... He uh, worked hard. He worked hard on rehearsing this show as well as writing new material. That's not coming from me. That's coming from what Stormzy said last night. He spent a long time working hard, giving everyone the show that that they paid for. And yes, he gave them everything that they came to see. Absolutely everything. He is a full-blown true showman. And, uh, and it's... When I say showman, it's not about someone showing off or uh, being something they're not. It's giving the crowd the show that they want. Working the way how a pop star, well, you can't say pop star, you can't say rock star. A grime star or, how how can you put it? Yes, he started off on grime and then he's got some more commercial songs um, as he's become bigger. I'm just going to go with as the artist that he is because his music, his show was pure art and obviously he was the, he was the driving force behind his own show like most uh, artists are he, they would turn around and say yeah this is what I want my show to look like I want video wall I want the floor to be a video wall I want fire I want I want bangs everywhere I want it to strobe I want it to look flashy I want it to look dark and deep that all comes from Stormzy when they uh, start brainstorming the uh, show in the uh, design phase. And then he was, his team will come back. And they all delivered. Stormzy delivered. His production team delivered. Everyone enjoyed it. I mean, everyone enjoyed it. And for being the first show, being the first show of this tour, it was impressive. It was the first day that everything came together fully came together yes Stormzy was rehearsing with his dancers and the band in a rehearsal room maybe in a studio in a warehouse 
on a mock-up off the stage so where they've uh, basically got some chalk and drawn on the floor where, uh, where the stage and performance areas are where not to walk because uh, you'll end up falling into uh, some gaps where in the stage where the lights are don't walk there in case you get a face for the pyro so and then putting that on top of the lights and the AV and the sound for the first time today it went perfectly there was not a single issue on there so they were all well rehearsed everyone was fully briefed within the production team the whole build team they were fully briefed when it come in it was heavily organized and I and it's gonna look even more slicker as time goes on within this tour it was a triple A star graded show with professionalism throughout and you could tell and it's gonna get even better it will be even better towards the end of the tour now Stormzy as well he was so humble at the end of the show very humble he wanted to be there he enjoyed playing to his fans he enjoyed every moment of playing to his fans and they enjoyed listening to his show and watching his show but he was humble about it he wasn't egotistical during every pause point throughout the show where he was talking to the audience directly he always thanked them he always thanked them at the end of each song he he would tell them how he uh, felt about them and how humbled he was that everyone was there to watch him he was a ve he was a gentleman on stage towards his uh, fans he was he was brilliant to his fans a real genuine person not for the bling and fakery no nothing like that there was nothing fake about Stormzy whatsoever he was genuine and it came across and at the end of the show he jumped down from the stage went into the pit shook every person's hand that he could uh, that put their hand out towards him uh, as he was exiting uh, the pit every person got a handshake pat on the back and uh, he even gave some uh, women some cuddles and whatnot as he was walking stage left he even left the pit to go into the audience at one point obviously followed by his heavy security uh, detail and thanking everyone and then he went off backstage and had a massive debrief with the uh, rest of the team that was a brilliant show it was definitely a brilliant show well devised and well rehearsed if you've enjoyed today's podcast please hit like subscribe and share and if you haven't already done so why not check out why not check out more of our content from master x media visit www.masterxmedia.info and you'll find all our podcasts and youtube channels and even books on there until next time guys bye for now